Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Ray Levi, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Hi, Ray. Hey, man. Glad to have you back. You were just hero, is that like a week ago? Yeah, or so? too long. Yeah. I don't think I can fill the shoes adequately of Mr. Watson or Master Watson. I we're done calling him Master Watson, but yeah, it's those are really. Uh, tough uh shoes to fill well i didn't wear my gold shoes today i have mine on i actually I thought about it I, yeah i have it. mine on um and uh i just got my 50th pair of gold shoes it was like a milestone i've seen the pictures i know well yeah. i bet i did it wasn't like don't want them to. everywhere so anyway well i'm glad you're here um yeah, me too. And, you know we uh today we're going to talk about some of the most common challenges that startups encounter and, you know, Ray, um, and I won't disclose our age, but we are not old. We are experienced. Well, what do they say? Experience is making mistakes on somebody else's dime. Is that? <laughs> I, I don't get that luxury, That's... Um, you know, on some levels, but um, let's give some, you know, for those that weren't uh, involved in your prior in your last episode uh give us a little background about who you are and why we want to listen to you well that's an interesting uh intro the last part's hard to answer well you want to listen because you know all of this knowledge yes well you know frankly you mean experience experience yeah. right over time um you know you do learn from, from mistakes you've made and so i've been in development for a long time and gone up through different avenues of management, but then also, you know, I started, I was in a startup as well. Um, we ended up educating a market and not having a product that, that resonated. So, and you, you, uh, are currently involved with Stackify. Currently with Stackify. Mr. Um, Watson. Mr. Watson's uh, venture. CEO of there, uh, of that company. And you guys have been doing a great job of not only, uh, pushing the envelope on that, like I'm really impressed with the turnaround, but you're also doing, uh, fantastic job of dealing with the full scale office over in Cebu, which you recently visited. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a great opportunity to get over there and, you know, meet those folks face to face. Um, just really love watching this place grow. Yeah. It's been a, a talk about growth, man. It's just like hard to keep up with. And you also were kind enough to post a video of the frog purse on the start of hustle, uh, Facebook chat and wow, man, wow! Like I still you weren't kidding. It really is. I haven't brought it in yet. I will bring at least one of them in. You're right. It, you know the creepiness. Sure. The creepiness was definitely there, and I understand why many people did not want it as a gift. Uh, we will have a different episode on uh, whether or not your judgment was skewed on buying three of them. Did you get a discount? Well, you know, did you get a discount? Uh, did, I, well, right, I, guess I mean, I to hear the guy speak, you know, he lost money on the sale, right? Of course. But there's no way. Did you sleep at night knowing that you had put a poor merchant in Cebu City out on the streets with your purchase of three frog purses? You know, I made the mistake of leaving one on the nightstand. 
and I woke up and it was looking at me. I, I'm not sure that it moved over the night. <laughs> I don't think it did. All right. Off the topic of the frog purse, but if you do want to check it out, join our Facebook community. That's the startup hustle chat. Uh, really, really weird. So, okay. So clearly our show's about startups and that's what we talk about a lot. You've been involved with them. I've started them. I've, I've, seen some come and go and mm -hmm. deal with a whole lot of them. Uh, a lot of them have the exact same issues. Um, and for those that also want a little reference, at one point we did a series called How to Start a Startup. And uh, I think it had five parts. And we talk about a lot of the things, but never in a bulleted fashion. They're more peppered over about five different ones. So uh, prior to hitting, uh, turning on the red light in here, we made a list and uh, I will lead and we can get through this dance together, Ray. So, Sounds good. Um, you know, one of the things in here and part of what got our conversation started was related to one of your uh, female coworkers who has a very active role in uh, the female developer community here in Kansas City, but it's related to diversity. Right. Uh, startups are kind of dude centric. They when really it, are. When it comes to software. Yeah. And especially if you think about it, it's going to be people you know. I mean, that's how you would begin right. operations is people you know and trust, people you are confident working with and know what they're doing. So it may be skewed to your way of life and where you live, really. I think some of it is related to the fact that in the United States, we typically don't push our daughters. To, if you're in a software startup, like the, I just don't meet a lot of female software developers. And I think it's just, I think it's uh, related to the fact that we just don't, we don't push our daughters no, into I, it. I think that's absolutely true. Um, like I said, I've been developing code since 80 something, won't say the year, late eighties, but. Uh, that definitely made it better. <laughs> you seemed a lot younger because of that. I know, well, like what are you gonna do? But um, yeah. I mean, like one, two, maybe 5%. I mean, there's not that many in this market, at least. We have, you know, we haven't, uh, we have quite a few. Of and, developers. And, I mean, developers. Yeah, but we have, we have a few female developers. Uh, but, you know, when you, when you mention it, it might actually be like one in 20 out of the number yeah. of employees that yeah. we have. And um, one, one lady that works for us that, that full scale brought to us. She's fabulous. I'd right. love to keep her, right, but right, she right. got pulled away to a different country and right. so we're losing her. But she was uh she set records for testing, so good for her. Yeah. And then, you know, we have a team lead that works for another client that is just absolutely fabulous. Um yeah, it's definitely not a matter and, of and, ability. and an just... excellent karaoke. So <laughs> So, okay. So diversity, um, now, you know, that's kind of a tough one to get around. Uh, if you're, especially if you're trying to do it intentionally. Now, I think you can have all of the best intentions for trying to overcome a lack of diversity, but you still have to make decisions that are based on the best interest of your yep. company. And you're so, limited by the applicants. If right, you don't get right. the applicants, yeah. you simply can't. So while that may be a challenge, I don't know if that's a direct challenge to the health or success of the startup. I think it's more of a scenario. Well, I think it depends on the problem you're trying to solve as a startup. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, if you're trying to solve a problem that is a female 
concerned primarily, yeah, you need to be able to. I think there's a lot of female startup founders compared yeah. to actual web developers. But, right. you know, I mean, I, I've talked to quite a few of them. And actually, one of the uh, Startup Hustle alumni, Rachel Qualls, is um, launching some really cool stuff. She's the founder of Venture 360 and a new product called Liquify that may or may not be ready soon. I'm not sure. Um, so that's a question I have for you, actually. And, you know, you talk about startups and startup hustle. Are you predominantly talking about IT startups or just in general? You know, we've all startups. We've tried to. Uh, it, we would really like to fan that out a little bit uh, because of the background that Matt and I have, um, especially the more recent stuff with uh, software. And obviously, software is running everything, right. and we own another company that helps companies find developers so it definitely dominate it we're not always real diverse well and regardless of what that startup does software is going to be a part of that there's going to be mm -hmm. an element there right right so to buy or build something i did actually intentionally uh stay diverse in my book million dollar bedroom because i matt watson was in that that's actually what really kind of sparked our 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 deeper friendship. Um, but then also there's a guy named JC Lopez in there who's uh, very well known in the sneaker community. And then, uh, of course, right. Is that how <laughs> yeah, well, he's a client of mine. I we helped him build his brand and we helped provide software for their store, urban necessities, um, which is really well known, a huge store out in Vegas. Um, and then also, uh, a home builder, the guy that built, uh, one of the pioneers in the model home concept. Mm. Um, all right. So when you are, when you have a startup, whether it's software or anything else, you have to validate the said product. Some people seem to skip this step because they are just certain that it's validated. Yeah. It's the, if you, if you build it, they will come concept. When that that's doesn't work. Not the case. No. Yeah, you run into that a lot. And I think people feel feel that way about websites. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I built this website. and I'm not getting any traffic. Why? Well, I mean, it involves a lot more than that. So there's several ways that you can validate your product but you, and your idea. But, I mean, sales well, is certain, really the one that matters. Um, you're looking at competitive, the competitive trends. I mean, clearly you've got an idea to solve a problem or provide a service, right? So there, you wouldn't even have thought of it if there wasn't at least a perceived need in, in your own mind. So there's probably somebody else doing it too. I think a way to speed that up is in the, is, and this sounds counterintuitive to the, to the, those with the lack of experience, but almost rush a release in the beginning, like give it away, like do anything you can to get real users and not just you and the people around you to, validate whether it sucks or not yeah i mean if you if you go to look at almost any service right now online there is almost always a free 7 14 day trial right. whatever it is i mean we and do I that mean just like give it away for a while if that's what it comes down the, to. at the very very yeah. beginning for sure especially when that's you know you know you haven't really gotten to the most loved product yet but you might have a minimal minimally viable product you know right. so the mvp can be vetted some some degree with just giving it away i think a lot of people hang on to it too soon i've seen some uh and this is software related but like some very famous quotes from 
very successful people saying that if you don't look back at the very first release uh, that you ever made with absolute sheer terror and embarrassment later, then you hung on to it for too long. Yeah. Well, they've um, always said that about, you know, Microsoft products are no good until release three. You think about you think about some of the things, you know, my, like Windows 1.0 was a joke, right? There's a story I always tell people. And if you listen to all the podcasts, you've heard it, me mention it, but it's about the shopkeeper that's so busy cleaning the store that he forgets to open it every day. And you don't want to be that guy. You don't yeah. want to be that guy. You'd rather have a, a store that's dirty, full of people um, that are, you know, you're figuring stuff out than you are to never open the door. Cause it's super clean. All right. So moving on, um, almost any and every startup is, ha- has to figure out, uh, has to try to see how, how they can thrive on the limited amount of resources mm. that they usually have. Like even things, even well-known founders that have, funding in the seed stage are still trying to figure stuff out on limited resources. So, I mean, you have some insight on how you can improve that or like what you should do, because you're pretty much guaranteed to, to have to do this at some point. Yeah. And that also kind of feeds into another one of the bullets that we put down there, which it's a lot of hard work Yeah, to have a startup. And with limited resource, that means you're going to be wearing a lot of hats right? and you'll be working hard and long hours often to get it done yourself. Right. Um, I I think one of the things that's important is that you need to focus on doing the things that you're the best at mm -hmm. and the things that you can do for the business that have the greatest opportunity to result in positive outcome. And a lot of times as founders or those with limited resources, you can have a tendency to get distracted by everything from that. Um, I talk to a lot of you know, largely software related startup founders. And I also think that, that, you know, I, the thing that just drives me nuts is it feel like so many of them just don't stop to sell something every now and then. Yeah. Well, that requires a lot of introspection to be able to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, or to not think you're really good at something that you're not Mm -hmm. or where to find and look for help. In specific right. places, um, I think that trying to do everything yourself, well, sometimes you don't have a choice, but some, you know what? Some stuff can just be done later. Yeah, that's like, true. Like some people get so worried about certain processes and, and accountability and stuff like that. How about you go sell a whole bunch of stuff and then figure out how to clean up the mess after? Because I'll be honest with you, your <laughs> business is better in that scenario than the one where you don't sell anything, but you've got this amazing process ready for when you might. Yeah, I mean, that, that really depends on where you are in that process too, right? I yeah. Because you can't go sell a bunch of stuff when you have 500 clients already. Right. If right. you're just getting going, sure. You can go out yeah, and make a bunch of to... promises and here's my roadmap and here's some projected dates of what I'll have in there. And that that's different than, than a, an established startup. I mean, I, I think that's where StackFi is. We're an est- well-established start, right. startup. I don't think trying you to bridge are, the I don't think you guys are a startup anymore. I think you exited that when you got users in 60 countries. Well, yeah. You know, I That's mean, a good point. and it really is, um, you know, maybe when you had users in two or whatever, <laughs> and, you know, but you guys have a well-defined 
plan and stuff like that. So some of what we're talking about is also related to the next item on the list is the lack of structure. Mm. Now, this is a tough one mm -hmm. because it's hard to actually have structure when, well, I mean, until you get it figured out, it's going to be a shit show. It, it, it's yeah. guaranteed. I mean, uh, it's cowboys out West. I mean, Lord literally. of the flies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd be t you know, and we've always been really transparent about what we're doing at, at full scale. And if you want to check out what we do at full scale, go to fullscale.io. We help uh, software businesses find resources and scale their business faster. But, you know, so that's, are you shocked at how fast that's grown? I really am. I had no idea. Because, yeah. I mean, six months ago, was there anything? Uh, there was uh, a handful of people. And right. Now we have 90. Yeah. And, and I, I have to keep tapping the brakes because I can't open office I mean, space fast enough. But, but here's the thing is with that, there was a ton, of, you know, one thing that's tough about a startup. Okay. So if you buy a franchise, like if you buy a subway, you've got this like monstrously high chance of succeeding because it comes with an owner's manual and a support infrastructure, right? That shows right. you exactly what to do, right. how to cost your food, how to price. This is food, what you do when the bread stuff. oven breaks. Exactly. This is what you do when you run Here out. Here's your guide to right. interviewing people. Here's how yes. you, all that stuff and the software. Or maybe here's that. some applicants or someone that can help right. or or whatever or a brand name that people recognize that will shorten your path to revenue. When you open a subway, you're gonna have, or, or maybe that's a bad example. Maybe Jared ruined subway. Oh my god. It's funny, I'm from Indianapolis and that's where he's from, but God, anyway, that's a whole nother thing. But with lack of structure, you know, one of the things we, we made notes about is also it can, you can accidentally put everything but your people first. And if you don't have great people or you don't value what they do, or you put them in a position where they don't give a shit, guess what? Yeah. Kaboom. It's really all about the it's right done. person on the bus in the right seat. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, really, that's or a whole really bunch of them right. and having them like not be, you uh, you talk about the bus, like the, now look, you got to figure out structure, like, mm -hmm. but try, try. Cause no one really wants to work in, in that bus that has all, you know, I picture the kids like throwing things and no one's seated and, at the same time, though, no one wants to like be on the bus where no one can talk and you have to right. look straight forward. So you got to find a way to create structure. But you know what we did at what we did and what we still do at full scale is we talk to the employees. Mm -hmm. What 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 could we do better to make your life easier? And we get some weird answers sometimes, but for the most part, you know, like. And, it, you know, Ray, it was like the little things. Like, I'll give you an example. We So we cater meals. I believe right. that you ate one. I ate one every day. Did you oh. eat the dried fish? I ate the dried squid. Weird. I didn't even know we had that on the menu, but that's <laughs> why I don't eat that. Um, but you know why we catered meals is because we got the feedback that because of where our office was, that it was like a 10-minute walk to restaurants. Right. So we said, you know what? We're just going to cater meals. And it was a huge hit. Like, yeah. they love it. Yeah, we do that here, too. I mean, it's Sacrify because if you think about what in a in Well, it pays city, for itself because people it go back to itself. They go back to work. It's quicker, a 20-minute yeah. break usually, yeah. right? And and because because the food's here, you don't have to drive time and everything else. So it's, I think it's a win-win, though, you really know, is. like for both employer and employee. But that, like in this particular example at our office in Cebu, it was, it was a directly related right. – 
to that kind of feedback. And, you know, those are the kind of things that we would hear about. And, you know, and sometimes it's little things too that, all right, so I'll give you an example. We, uh, you know, for our employees that were driving to work. I was going to ask you, how are you going to handle parking in the new space? Well, you that, get, what, 10 spaces? Or yeah, something? but the, those are, they, they will invariably have some kind of metered parking. And with that, we, right now, we give everybody a transportation allowance. Oh, okay. And whether they take public transportation, get dropped off, or do whatever, drive their own, uh, it covers at a minimum the parking cost. So, and, you know, certain things like that are, I mean, that, that's a minimal expense. It's like 25 bucks a month mm -hmm. per employee, which when you have 400 employees is $10,000, right. but it's a lot better than having people disgruntled all day right. because of a dollar right. parking. And I know it sounds weird, but you know, people get disgruntled about stuff like that. So I think overall, and like when we look at full scale, we always refer to ourselves as people centric mm -hmm. and people first right. and to, don't treat your employees like cattle. Yeah. Like just like, I mean, we've been really particular, you know, how much extra money we would have in our account if we didn't do, bring the high workplace standard that we have just like, and, and part of that is even in the equipment that you provide, yeah. I mean, I, I I've heard stories of we had big other places we had where big equipment complaints, and sharing machines. desks, yes. and just really crappy stuff, and like also just like lame things, like blacklisting your ability to go on the internet. Right? Like, my God, we're not in prison. So anyway, now we talked about doing a lot of different things, but. At the same time, you also have to have some amount of focus on your product, right. your service, or the direction that you're headed in, right? If you don't, uh, your site's going to look like Amazon's site. Amazon does everything, but it's you get onto this page and there's so many links. You're like, what in the heck am I doing here, right? Um, you've got to focus and build a, a thing. Uh, the uh, hedgehog principle is what they call it a lot of times, you know. Pack, every, pack it all on your cheeks, and, and that's what you got. You're, you're always going to be focusing on a very fine line of what you want to build and, and who you want to reach and what problems you're trying to solve. Got to be good at one thing before you try to be good right. at You 12. can't diversify until you've got one thing down. And and Matt Watson, uh, who will quote Craig from the, your coworker who mm -hmm. sacrifice, will say, be careful what you put in your backpack. Because mm. uh, once it's in there, you're, you're, you got to carry it around. And if you pack too many things in the backpack, it gets really heavy. It slows you down, um, you know, and, and you know, it can really uh, have a lot to do with your success or failure. So in the regards to focus, sometimes you focus on something and it fails. And that results in what is commonly referred to as a pivot. Right. And... If your business is new, regardless of what you do, you're pretty much guaranteed to embrace a lot of change, right? right. You're going to fail. Right. And the, the as a software developer, isn't that the predominant thing until fast. you finally get it right? Yeah. Fail fast and yeah. course correct. Yeah. If you think about anything in life, that failure is it's not as bad as how you react to it. Think about playing golf. Like we talked about golf a little bit one time. Yeah, I'm not good. That you're not good at golf. Are you? I no. Okay, but what help, what what happens to some golfers? I is fail. They, I fail fast. You fail fast on, right off the tee. Right the the yes, yeah, yeah. I don't waste any time. But, but the way you handle a failure, the way you handle that bad hole, could either ruin you for the rest of the round, 
or you could just brush it off and keep going, course correct and go on. That's that's super important is to fail fast, course correct and keep plugging along. I was talking to someone about golf over the weekend, largely because he was good at it and I wasn't. And one thing I did tell him, I said, you know, even though I've never been good at golf, I did trim 10 strokes off of my score when I quit getting upset about golf. Right. Like I, you know, like I said, like the worst thing I could do would be get upset. Now, I thought you were going to say you trimmed 10 strokes by only playing 17 holes. No, I use, I, I, um, <laughs> well, what I did is I developed my foot wedge and, yes. uh, that, and just blatantly cheating sure. and lying about my score. Um, both trimmed quite a bit off Absolutely. and I, and never putting anything on my card uh, above an eight. It's the snowman rule. It's the double pars, typically. What it, you know, eight if I had to really times. keep score, it'd be ugly. Um, Tiger Woods' oh, last win over the weekend would have beat me by about fifty. That's an amazing, um, amazing thing for him to come back like that too. Yeah, you know, he had to get, he had to get his rotation set up again. He's back in, back in business, and, and who would have thought painkillers aren't great for athletic performance <laughs> so we're talking about constant change and the need for it you know one thing that i i've noticed over the years and even before i opened my own business um and you know I, so i worked in the music industry as you're aware mm -hmm. and and i went i did so during a, a very turbulent time and it was and you know the last year i worked in the music industry was 2008 and i wa i was watching all of like not all of but a, a healthy amount of the accounts that i called on in the places uh, go out of business mm -hmm. and it was almost certain that the people that were resistant to change and adaptation were leading that charge. Um, it's, it's easy after you've been successful for a while or because you believe something should be the way that it is to refuse to change. So what do you attribute that to that, that change in the market? Is it, is it change is tough? Is it internet sales of the stuff of, of the musical equipment? Like a musician's friend is huge, right? Well, that was that was part of it. That was part of it. But I'll give you an example. So, you know, I was in Washington D.C. and I opened a chain of piano store, Yamaha piano mm -hmm. stores, for a couple out there. And I distinctly remember uh, arguing with the owner about why it was important that we had a website. Oh wow! And he just didn't believe it. He just was like, "That's not where people are looking." I was like, "Whether they are now or not." they will be absolutely and this isn't going away and it was like well we need to really like you know make sure we get in these yellow pages i was like who gives a fuck about that like i mean let's be realistic but you know the thing is is we get used to certain things working the way that we want them to and then you know so this is the thing that always would drive me nuts and and this is away from that business that i just described which by the way did really well it was just a difference of understanding about where the modern marketplace and and where you would where you were found. Would well, be. I think from his perspective, it makes a lot of sense because you got to lay your hands on the piano, the feel, the sound. I mean, they are very different instruments, right? For just well, you can't ship them. You can, well, even if you could, you know, yeah, you wouldn't want you would, to. You would go, so that so that I was just trying to have people find out where we well, were. Right, I and, mean, DC is like a labyrinth. Right. And price, you know, yeah. price comparisons, you're going to have to get in that market. But 
you know, the brick and mortar stores are important for a lot of things. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't buy a guitar without playing it first. I wouldn't They're buy a piano. For me figuring out what I want to buy on Amazon. Exactly. Sure. I mean, seriously, <laughs> when we can stop, when we can't hear any more of the headphones that we're about to purchase, when we can't go yeah. to a Best Buy and actually hear them, how are you going to know which model is the best? For I'll you? actually buy it while I'm there. I mean, I don't like, I'm not really, like, if I'm going to a store to buy something, I, I, mean, I don't really give a shit if it's a few dollars. Well, more. and it's, yeah, it's that. But, but that the thing that would drive me nuts that I think is something you need to avoid is, well, things aren't just, why aren't, I just wish things were the way they used to be. Mm. And, you know, that's, if you have a start, you know, we didn't really define what a, a startup was at the beginning of this. I could be anything from something you literally just started for something that, I mean, shit, there's startups that are six years old. They, mm -hmm. Like, you're still a startup if you haven't found any traction or made any moves forward. You, you I'd like to look up what an actual, what the actual Webster definition of startup is. Because, <clears throat> you know, like you said, we're a startup. We're six years old. Let's do it. Let's do it. I don't, nor I don't normally Google things in the middle of the podcast, but I think you have a great... Um, so at some point you've matured enough where you're not, you shouldn't be considered a startup anymore. And I do not know where that is. <laughs> startup, start the action or process of setting something oh, right. in motion. The first link there. What is a startup by Forbes? And that then a newly established business. Right. I think that's an actual article, which, uh, well, here, let's let, let's let Wikipedia. Oh, Wikipedia, of course. It's. What, they have my face on the Wikipedia page oh my for startups. Unbelievable! I wow, I didn't for douche. No, 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 that, no. no that, was that was someone else. That <laughs> um, so a startup or a start or a start hyphen up, which nice. I've never spelled startup, mm -hmm. is an entrepreneurial venture which is newly in a newly emerged business venture that aims to meet a marketplace need or problem by developing a viable business model around products, services, process, or platforms. A startup is a new business venture designed to effectively develop and validate a scalable business model. My God. Mm, that's a lot of words. Uh, most people do not uh, live by that definition. All right. So um, as you're aware, I've got uh, young children. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter knows more about being a startup founder than most adults. Uh, if you ask her what does every business need, she will tell you customers. And say, what do customers do? She will say, buy things. And what do customers buy things with? And she will scream, money. So that is a lesson in your startup right there. Does every woman in your life scream money, though? I mean, no. No, I actually have a pretty... Money. I have a pretty... I, I'm, the, I'm the spending problem within my life. Really? Well, That's no, not surprising. Actually. It's not a problem. I mean, it's not, it's a problem. not a problem. It's not a problem. Until you admit to it, it's not a problem. So, you know, we talked earlier about the need for hard work and uh, Master Watson, you qu actually quote when he was giving a presentation, he actually quoted me for number one. And wow. because my the tagline that I have uh, that I always talk about and I consider it to be my slogan is that success demands payment in advance. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. Um, you know, if you get back to listen, actually, uh, in, in Million Dollar Bedroom, Watson's talking about, there's a part when he talks about 
how the people that you know, that there's people all around you that are winning at things that aren't glamorous or sexy, they're niche. Um, and that, and you know, if you go back to episode 12 of startup hustle with Lyrell Holt, he will talk about a cowardly approach. Um, meaning, you know, he'll say, he'll say, uh, I, I just want to go some, I want to do something no one else is doing and go get really good at it where they'll leave me alone. Well, that's goes back to your, uh, your wish, right? Is to, to not retire, but just to have somebody else do all the work. Oh, no, that's Mickey the Mouse. wrong, that is the wrong way to put that. That sounds like what that is saying. not what it, it sounds like. I feeling beneath what you were saying. No, I want to focus my energy on selling and promoting the brand. Not that's, that's not, much different than what it sounded like. No, because what well, Mickey Mouse is the magical kingdom's ambassador. Mickey Mouse doesn't do anything. That's bullshit. He he's does nothing. Vin, he's he, just a figurehead. That well, he's the queen of Disney. World. No, that's many. And uh, <laughs> just so we're just so we're clear on that. But but no, Mickey Mouse does every. You know why I can disagree. My two year old uh, son is obsessed with Mickey Mouse. It's where it starts. It's what grabs your attention. It's the gateway drug to everything else that Disney will then inundate them with. But no, in regards to what you're talking about, it's that is the cowardly approach is, is taking an approach and having an idea that, okay, you're not cowardly if you're trying to put Amazon and Google out of oh, business. So that's, you're just not smart. That's brave. That's mm. overly brave. So, you know, you spend enough time and you talk to Watson about it. And I think the example he used in, in, in my book was, you know, hey, here's this guy and he's gotten uber rich importing ostrich feathers from wherever. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's always weird little niche things. So as you're validating your product and you're, you're moving your stuff forward, like you should be looking for those niches. We had to do that with Gigabook. Right. Because there was. Well, a, if you think about Matt's history, right? Vin Solutions yeah. was Vin Stickers to start. Yeah, he was hand. Yeah. They were printing off the actual stickers for used cars. You know, new cars come with a nice sticker that yeah. talk about. Used cars did not, so he would run around. They deliver these stickers by the handful to the dealerships. That's how they started. And I know also, you know, I worked for a medical transcription startup here in town, and and the owner when they started, he was running around delivering the documents, printed up documents after they had received the recordings from the doctor, and they transcribe them hand deliver them that he was the owner, but he was also the delivery boy. So that's the hard work. That's wearing the hat that needs to be worn at the time and making sure that the job gets done no matter what. I mean that, and also like in regards to the niche stuff. So like I use Gigabook as an example, there was a lot of things that were very similar to it. And some of them served uh, specific industries or, or, lean towards different types of service professionals. But as we listened to our users, we, we realized we had a huge uh, opportunity with people that wanted a higher level of customization. Hmm. So we decided to try to do everything we could to make it as customizable on every level of the stack as we could. And uh, you know, that that's a lot of responsibility because uh, there's a lot of things that go with it. So it also be it became our biggest strength and our biggest weakness. Yeah. So the biggest weakness would have been writing one-off code for individual clients. That, that's yeah, where we you didn't really get burned, right? Yeah, we didn't do that. But the and reason, it, it became harder to set up. Wait, and you got it. Well, it does. And that was the issue. You also have to be able to say no sometimes, guys. Sorry. 
I know this is what you want. Yeah. Here's how we accomplish that in a different way. Yeah. We were so talking a little, we were talking a little bit about that. And, uh, you know, I think we can add that to our list is if you're in an early stage business, you got to You have to be a little bit careful and cautious about what you chase. Absolutely. You can spend And we did that at Gigabook too. You know, we got, uh, knocked way off course. Um, fuck it. I think I'm out of my NDA, but by trunk club mm. who is an online clothier and, uh, they, I think in the end, they really were using us for a, a, a advanced science experiment because mm-hmm. they wanted to see what, what would happen if, uh, if they, uh, put uh, a booking option in their onboarding process and we in, oh, increased their engagement. It was probably way too early for us anyway, but we dedicated a lot of time and effort to that and then basically struck out on it. And next thing you know, we were three months down the down the road and it's not profitable we had we well it could have been but it just you know finally at one point i had to say hey i need to know if you're going to do this or not or i cannot spend any more time energy or effort on it it's like the you know the twa model back in the day my mom worked for twa for 20 years i worked there for a while so five years and i was on the working on the reservation coding up the reservation system Mm. but uh we're we're gonna lose money on every ticket but make it up in volume yeah that's flawed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm reading, I'm reading a book right now called the art of thinking clearly. And uh, there's a, it's like a hundred three page things about the weird things that we convince ourselves are mm. not the case in our thought process. And w- there's one in there that says if 50 million people all say something that's wrong, it's still wrong. Cause we have a tendency to believe that just because a lot of people say it, that it could be true. But if they're all wrong, they're all just still wrong. Well, you know, the old statement, you know, eat shit. A billion flies can't be wrong. I disagree with your point of view, Ray. (laughs) That's actually the next thing on the list. So um, we often have differing opinions about the way things should go, the direction that things should take, the roles that we should play, the hours we should work, the titles we should have. I will stop going on because I could probably just list things for an hour. So you got to pick and choose your battles. You got to yeah. decide what you're going to be passionate about and what you're not. Uh, and what what's the ditch you're willing to die in? I haven't right? heard that before, but it's true. What ditch you're willing to die yeah. in? Is this worth going to the mats? Yeah. And, you know, I've gone through that even some this year with different people I've participated in things with. Um, and, you know... Some, I've definitely seen a lot of people just like, <laughs> some things I, you know, it, one thing I enjoy about being business partners with Matt Watson is just, I mean, sometimes he's like, cool. I mean, if you feel strongly about it, cool, do it. You know, it's not like we're going to argue about it right. and, and different things. And then sometimes there's things that, you know, we're a little more vehement about mm-hmm. and we listen to each other and aren't afraid to say, you know what, you're right. And it's not about being right. It's not about, because here's the thing. And it, it, when two people really argue, especially business partners or people that work together, someone loses in a lot of ways. Like I'm saying, if you're really like at war, mm-hmm. like you're like, yeah, but I won the argument. Okay. But what did you sacrifice exactly. along the way? Have you like completely pissed off someone you work with? And, right. you know, there's a whole lot of things when it comes to differing points of view. And I think also some people have a tendency to, 
oh, you can belittle people. Well, you can, this kind of goes back to your earlier episode about picking the right business partner. Yeah. I mean, it really does. If you're not like-minded, you're going to have a lot of these conflicts. But if you, if you do, if you agree primarily on, on your direction, you're, you're going to, it's going to be a little easier. So picking the right partner is the first thing there. But again, yeah. Is it worth the risk? Am, am, I, am I damaging this relationship because we're arguing about the color of our shirts that we're going right. to wear to the Which to the has convention? absolutely no bearing on the success unless right. unless they're colored like some of the shirts that I've seen you in. <laughs> and then they are without a doubt. Look, these are shirts I've had since high school, okay? I, it's time. Should, it's should time. I go to the store? Yeah. Kohl's? No. Old Navy? Yes. It's is that sole thing? I don't know. Is it? Still still, I don't you, know. You'd probably go to Kmart. <laughs> and are those around anymore? I don't know. I think Sears and Kmart are kind of gone. I mean, yeah. I well, you talk about the inability to change in bed. I, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Um, is that really true? No, it's actually it's not true at all. I was going to say, I mean, I feel like anybody can learn. And I like to believe that's the case as well because I'm getting older. It just depends I on actually, the individual. I, actually, you know, on the complete flip side of that, I think I'm better at learning new tricks now than I was 12, 10, 12 years ago. Well, you're probably learning different tricks too, right? I'm not stubborn. I am I have the ability to be more open-minded. And I think that my willingness to want to learn new things is 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 better. Well, and over your lifetime, you've experienced that being closed-minded is not a good way to be, and it doesn't help. I've trained myself to really only invest both financially and personally slash professionally into things I'm passionate mm -hmm. about and that I understand. Like, I've, I've had an opportunity to participate in some different businesses that ended up doing okay, but I just didn't get them. So without understanding them, how am I going to bring a lot of value to them? With the clothing mention, though, I have to ask you, what does your shirt say? It says Supreme. But it's like a twist off. It actually is a bottle cap that says Supreme and it says piss off. Piss off. <laughs> I thought so. Yeah. So I don't get it. It's funny because Watson always gives me a hard time because I buy stuff by Supreme, who is, in my opinion, one of the greatest marketing companies in the world. They will pretty much put their name on anything and the dumbest things you could ever imagine. And it's what I call hype. And uh, it's it's kind of funny because I actually support that because if you can get away with it and you're good at it, then you can have my money because I think so many people are not good at it. I think the last thing and what we can close out on is perfectly related to what you just mentioned out of all the challenges that startups have the most, it's figuring out how to sell something, mm. figuring out how to market something. Um, I have three words that I consider myself to be an excellent salesperson and marketer. My approach is different than a lot of people like, well, I mean, I've received five leads in the last week for full scale from this podcast. Oh, nice. And, you know, that being said, like we don't, you've never heard an ad in here and I don't spend all, it's not like super shilly, but there's different approaches to doing things. Um, nothing will solve your limited resource problem more than selling. Nothing will let you tackle your diversity problem because you can hire more people if you have revenue. Nothing will validate your product more than sales. Nothing will sharpen your focus more than selling something over and over again. 
nothing will fix your need for a lack of structure than sales running down the pipeline. Uh, you talk about things like collaboration and change or things not being sexy. You know what is sexy? Sales. Sales, sales is sexy. No sales cures ails, people, and nothing happens until you sell something. Um, don't make the mistake. I would rather have a crap product with a amazing marketing plan and behind it. Look at look at all those things. And now, well, you're old enough to tell us what was better, the Betamax or the VHS? That. That you knew exactly, where it was going. I did exactly. The Betamax was superior in quality, but it was um, marketed poorly. It was marketed poorly, and so no one and bought it. Was it. A closed. It was it was more of a closed standard. It wasn't open up to all manufacturers. And where is look that at Wang now? Computer. Wang had it by Wang. the tail. They had the tiger by the tail, and they threw it away. Well, and guess what? Apple was going down that same route. Well, we talk about they, marketing. They recovered from that. You know, with the business documentaries that Matt and I are going to be continuing to review, one of them was about compact computers, mm -hmm. who really, in many ways, invented the, the first portable or laptop. Luggable is what I call that thing. It, it was 27 pounds, and they're it like, was a, but it has a handle. It was, I was like, It wow. was a tower computer with a tiny screen and a handle. But they, were, they marketed it well. And everyone else didn't. Everyone else had these stuffy ads and they had that snarky English guy that made really funny or bad jokes. Is that the and, IBM versus the yes. uh, Apple type yes, of it? it was that was something. a hilarious bunch of uh, commercial. I don't know I, how many. I can't remember. I don't know how many it, they it's sold. in the documentary. It's called Silicon Cowboys. Uh, make sure to watch it before we do the uh, review of that. And we're gonna kind of make those educational narratives. And we're gonna, I think we had a lot of cool stuff on there. We, uh, we had uh, um, one about Henry Ford. Mm -hmm. um, there was another one about a Japanese sushi chef who has achieved a three-star Michelin rating with a 10 seat restaurant in a Tokyo subway. That's more inspirational. One about uh, the comp the story for Compact. Another one about venture capital and the story about how that came about. And then we also uh, heard. I we are having Wolf of Wall Street versus classic Wall Street. Right. That's and I mean the one that came one out I right around the time exactly. when you became a programmer. <laughs> um, and uh, who was the girl? Was that Daryl Hannah? Me. I, I don't know. She I had awesome hair. That's great. I mean, that's, that's the thing that's important. Well, anyway, Ray, you know, thanks for coming in and sitting in for my esteemed colleague, Matt Watson, who is doing anything other than podcasting with me today. He is Mickey. Maybe. He is Mickey Maybe. today. And he will be back. Um, he will be back in the studio within the blink of an eye. What won't occur within the blank of an eye is the success of your business. So make sure you work hard. Uh, listen to some of the things that we said today. Mm -hmm. um, but really, you know, going back, success demands payment in advance. Pick a path, push it down. We didn't visit on failing fast too much, but try hard. Figure out what doesn't work on your way to figuring out what does work. When you figure out what does work, start rolling with it. Yeah. Is that fair enough? Absolutely. Sales cures ales. Sales really does cure ales. Businesses need customers. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.